Hello, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BK Wealth Consulting, and welcome to Market Minutes for May 16th of 2022. Welcome, everybody. Good to be back with you. Uh, we were out last week. Uh, we'll have a broadcast uh, next week, and then we'll take off for the Memorial Day weekend holiday, and then be back with you in June. Uh, but really, the name of the game as we get started here today is volatility and uncertainty. And there are really five things that are kind of weighing on the market right now. Obviously, Federal Reserve interest rate policy. Uh, we have Russia and the, and the prosecution of that campaign against Ukraine. Uh, we have the lockdowns in China, which are clearly hampering uh, kind of almost like renewing some of the supply chain choke points that uh, that we experienced last year and then subsequently eased up and then now these lockdowns are having kind of a, a kind of a, a second order impact on that once again and then also the the fears of slowing growth um, so last week the you know in the investment markets the Dow was down around two percent s p 500 was down two and 2.4 percent Nasdaq was down almost three percent so uh, the Dow's seven-week losing streak is the longest such streak since 2001. Uh, and then just looking at the, kind of the technical indicators, I mean, we've got 21, just uh, almost just shy of 22% of S&P 500 stocks are still above their 50-day moving average. Um, and that's much, much lower for NASDAQ stocks. So, you know, obviously, you know, the bulk of, of the index is trading below its 50-day moving average. And then when you look at the 200-day moving average, you've got really only about a third of S&P 500 that's still above its 200-day moving average. So we've seen, you know, a fairly stark correction uh, in the market, in fact, you know, you could say here that we're just a, a hair's breadth away uh, from a uh, te technically a bear market. Uh, now we're down, you know, from peak to trough about 19.6. So 20% is that threshold. We haven't really met that yet. Uh, but, you know, really the, the, the biggest um, pain felt in the stock market, at least, is in the riskiest growth stocks, um, which led the market lower. And then profitable dividend payers, which we are emphasizing, uh, holding up much better than that. And so, you know, the good news is that as we look at the market, it's gotten a lot cheaper, right? And so if you believe that earnings are going to hold up, and again, we're looking for this year for earnings to be up about anywhere between 7 and 9%. And if that holds true, then valuation levels are actually not unattractive here. So we've gone down basically from... 21, 22 times down to below 17 times forward earnings. So, um, and and earnings forecasts have really held up after a fairly strong first quarter, uh, and will certainly uh, take the center stage going forward uh, as you know we we begin to kind of ponder this growth slowdown, which I think is 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 definitely in the cards, but. I think possibly could be managed, and there we'll talk in a second about you know why you know we don't think that there's a recession in the cards for 2022. But um, on the fixed income side, obviously uh, you know bonds are up. Treasury uh, ten-year Treasury yield uh, was hit three percent, went over three percent, and then fell back. Uh, so we did have. Um, you know, kind of a, a crowding trade, you know, looking for safety at a time of volatility. Uh, and, but what's notable in all of this is that 
Now, the S&P 500 for the year is down about 16%, and the Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index, and this is the broadest bond index out there, is down almost 10%. So both sides have been tagged, and in this period of volatility, and particularly with uh, high inflation, you tend to get both stocks and bonds uh, moving in the same direction, i.e. they're positively correlated. And so the real art and challenge in managing portfolios right now is in obviously minimizing the price risk on the bond side, because that's usually where you want to try to have help when the stocks are weak. But obviously on the stock side, you want to be invested where the market is holding up the best. And, and again, it's okay to hold a little bit of cash. And so we've been raising it, you know, as we've hit these downside triggers. Uh, but, you know, again, um, you know, inflation is still firmly entrenched uh, and that seems to occupy the calculus. So, uh, and I mentioned that as being one of the, uh, uh, one of the key five issues that are weighing down the market right now. So last week we heard the core uh, CPI report, Consumer pr uh, uh, Price Index, was up six-tenths of a percent, which is up 6.2% year-over-year. And then the headline number was up 8.3% year-over-year. Uh, and again, what's notable actually in inflation, uh, just to be clear, is that we're seeing this shift from goods inflation to services inflation, which is running real hot. Um, you, know, we, you know, before we saw durable goods prices really high because input costs are being passed along to the consumer. Well, goods inflation is actually kind of ebbing somewhat and it's being replaced by services inflation. And you think about things like that, th things like uh, airfares up 19% in April alone. And uh, most of that has to do with jet fuel prices, which we know the fuel complex uh, in the energy basket has gone up uh, materially. Uh, but you know, even though we've got WTI crude at $110 a barrel, Natural gas at seven sixty six per MCF. You know, year to date, you know, you know, crude is up about forty seven percent. Natural gas is up over a hundred and five percent for the year. Meanwhile, gold is off slightly and kind of holding steady in, in about eighteen hundred dollars uh, uh, per ounce. But so um, sentiment the, is the other big thing that we saw last week. The University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index was down to 59.1, which is the lowest reading that we've seen in that series since 2011. Uh, and, and just to be clear, you know, there's a, a consumer confidence number, which comes from the conference board, uh, and it asks different things than this University of Michigan uh, sentiment index asks. Uh, the Michigan sentiment uh, survey spends a lot of effort to drill down on, on consumers' thoughts on inflation. And so naturally, that index is going to be lower because that's what really everyone is, is worried about. Um, real briefly, just want to talk about, you know, kind of recession um, and, you know, what, what's the likelihood of this? And I really don't, uh, you know, I don't see it. Um, necessarily in the cards in 2022. A lot of people are worried, you know, kind of speculating on a hard versus soft landing. Uh, you know, is a recession out there in the future? I think absolutely. You know, it's cyclical. These things happen. Uh, it's it's hard for the Fed to engineer, you know, uh, the, the landing that avoids recession in this case, but it's not an evil thing. It's not something that we should you know, fear and, and run away from and, you know, hide under a mattress necessarily, uh, because actually, you know, markets can uh, 
perform in, in that type of an environment, it's just become much more selective. Uh, selectivity, I should say, matters a lot more. But, you know, for the, the recession, you know, I guess the most probable cause for the coming recession will be obviously tighter monetary policy, which, you know, is there in place it, it, because we want to fight inflation. But, you know, right now, you know, I mean, the Fed, as I mentioned before, you know, raised short-term rates a little bit uh, below uh, a full percentage point uh, right now. And, uh, you know, and qu quantitative tightening isn't really going to start for another month or so. Uh, and, you know, we know that there's typically a uh, about a 12-month lag between tighter money and the slower economic growth that stems from it. So there, there's a there's a transmission delay in this. So, you know, naturally, I would expect 2023 to be slower, uh, but that's not an immediate issue. Uh, and then uh, also we've got you know debt service costs are really low for U.S. consumers and companies. Uh, and you know, according to First Trust, as of the fourth quarter, consumers needed to use only 14% of their after-tax incomes to meet financial obligations. Um, and that's lower than it ever was pre-COVID. Uh, in fact, as low as it's been since 1980. Um, so, and then, you know, the housing issue, obviously housing prices are moving up, affordability is becoming challenged, but even though higher mortgage rates will, you know, probably be a, a problem for home sales in the month ahead, you know, builders, uh, you know, we, we have under-constructed homes for the last decade. And, uh, you know, home construction and all of the derivative impacts into that, the, the labor component, the materials component, the, you know, commodity baskets there should uh, not, you know, fall off uh, very much at all. Um, and then jobs, you know, job market's very strong. We've got 11 and a half million job openings. Uh, and, you know, that's up over... 7 million immediately prior to COVID, in fact, and we've got uh, 5 million unemployed. So, you know, that bodes well for people that are trying to find a job and we're having more people re-enter the workforce. So, you know, as that happens, maybe we get some relief on labor costs, which are tend to be sticky, uh, impact services a lot more than uh, than goods. Uh, and, and obviously wage inflation is something that we care about deeply because it does impact, you know, uh, the, the cost of services and, you know, the areas that are witnessing high inflation right now. Uh, we don't have tax rates moving up. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we've had basically a full repudiation of this Build Back Better uh, legislation that wanted to be put forth. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, anybody should blame the Biden administration necessarily for the inflation that we've got. I mean, really the tie, the, the loose money uh, conditions and the huge amount of liquidity put forth that was already in heading in the system, you know, when this administration took over, uh, it is really kind of the root cause behind a lot of the inflation that we're seeing now, uh, coupled with the fact that we had a pandemic, supply chain choke points, and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, look, going ahead, the administration will absolutely be judged on how it reacts to the inflation that's in there. Um, so, so tax rates aren't going up, you know, we're not likely to have a lot of government, uh, spending moving forward. I think we put the kibosh on that. 
And then uh, the other thing near term, which I think helps us out a lot in terms of the economy, is inventory replenishment. Uh, you know, we saw that number really fall in the last quarter uh, of last year. And so we've got manufacturers, retailers, wholesalers, all with pretty low inventories relative to their sales. So, you know, I think that leaves a lot of room for, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of room for, for near-term growth at least. Um, one more thing, you know, on that that I think is relevant is that, you know, and I've said this before that, you know, the, the market is anticipating uh, short-term rates at two and a half percent right now. Obviously, now they're about 75 basis points. So that leaves a lot of room for us to go in basically about seven months here. Uh, but uh, so the market has done a good job on the short end of kind of anticipating these rates, uh, building it in. So uh, what, what the problem is, is, you know, longer term rates are very sticky. And so, you know, we're seeing that kind of weigh in you know, fairly strongly on 10-year on, uh, rates. So 10-year uh, U.S. Treasury ended last week at 2.92. The 30-year Treasury ended at 3.08. And the two-year Treasury is, uh, again, about 2.5%. So, you know, not much steepening in the curve. The market's still struggling to figure out where this economy is going to go. Uh, just real quick on some rough estimates that I'm cobbling together that, you know, they're incorporating my thoughts as well as other people's thoughts. So, you know, we had negative real GDP of 1.4% in the first quarter. And, you know, that probably picks up quite a bit. Obviously, as I just mentioned, inventory replenishment, you know, some bounce back there. Consumer spending remains very strong despite higher cost and inflation. So maybe about three, three and a half percent in that second quarter. And then that moderates to two and a half percent. And I do think next year, the economic growth picture probably saddles in around two percent. That's slow growth. Again, if you have slow growth and sticky inflation, that's what they call stagflation, which, you know, I think it probably is more likely than outright recession next year, unless there's additional policy mistakes. Um, Inflation, obviously very high. Again, a lot of people tend to think that inflation is going to saddle in about 3% by the end of the year. I think might be a little bit higher than that, uh, but then it does moderate next year. And I think that moderation down to like 2.5% is still above where it was before the pandemic, but also um, it... it um, you know, it, 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 it helps to, I think, reconfirm some of these uh, interest rate uh, expectations for longer maturities. You know, obviously, unemployment remains going to remain very sticky. Uh, and, you know, and I, I would expect that, you know, if anything on the 10 year Treasury, you know, based on everything that, you know, I just said, you know, is, is probably not going to be much higher than about three and a half percent likely. So, um, good news on the stock market, you know, last month in April, we had both stocks and bonds fall, right? And I just mentioned that bonds were off about 10% this year, stocks off 16%. I mean, it's a very ugly and unsettling environment. However, you know, when you look at that environment and you say, um, you know, one year later, uh, stocks in that with that as a backdrop, with that as a baseline, both stocks and bonds going down in a month that, that 
73 occurrences one year later, the market was up and by an average of almost 10%. And three years later, 93% of occurrences, when that happened, uh, the market was up and by an average of 12.4%. And then when you look at bonds, you know, in a, in a month after following a month where the market, uh, where the bond and the stock market were both down, a year later, uh, 100% of the time, the bond market was up. Uh, and then three years later, uh, you know, almost very high percentage of bonds being up and also by kind of eight to 10%. So you tend to see when you have these ugly, you know, like I call them tandem trades where everything gets tagged and everything's lower, that one year, three years out, you tend to have a better uh, environment for stocks. And I think that's one thing that I use uh, in my thinking uh, to, you know, to, to, to try to, again, take the emotion out of this uh, and try to, you know, think logically and try to rotate into the smartest areas of, of the market. Um, and, um, you know, but, but also recognizing that, you know, we're in an unusual environment. Uh, Russia is going to stay with us for a while. Ukraine doesn't look like either side is going to want to settle the score anytime soon. Uh, and, um, but, and I also recognize that, um, you know, the, the magnitude of the S and P drop that, you know, you know, I'd say about half the time you tend to associate that type of a drop, like 19% or 20% from the peak, you know, with, with a recession. And sometimes you don't. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes about a third of the time you have, you know, that type of a drop represents a bottom and you wind up having a really outstanding gain 12 months forward. Uh, so, you know, I, I think everything is in the range of outcomes. Uh, I think the market is, I think, over, um, I guess, overestimating, uh, shall we say, the, you know, the, the risks, but that's what the market tends to do. It, that pendulum rarely rests in the middle uh, and it usually swings from one side to the other based on, you know, based on prevailing sentiment and also people wanting to protect their seed corn. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, again, the, the, the fact that we've got uh, a lot better value in the market, again, like I said, the long-term average is about 16 times earnings and we're below 17 right now. So we're not unattractively priced in the market. The market just needs a catalyst. We need some clouds of uncertainty to lift. Um, obviously, Ukraine would, would help. Inflation uh, would help if we have several months of declining inflation off of the peak. That would obviously help give market a lot more confidence uh, than, than it has right now. So um, I'll really conclude on this note that um, that, that, that markets uh, have been non-volatile for many years, and we got used to that. Uh, this level of volatility uh, is is a bit unusual uh, in terms of its magnitude, but it's not out of line with what we've seen during bouts uh, previously. And so, you know, the smartest thing one can do is not uh, go to cash, not uh, you know, you know, to to kind of cash in the chips because oftentimes you do that, and you have a hard time knowing when to get back in. But it, I think the prudent thing to do is manage within the sectors. Like 
in stocks, dividend payers are far outperforming non-dividend payers. And the kind of the, the, the steady high cash flow companies are far outperforming these high flying, uh, you know, large cap stocks uh, that uh, that uh, are obviously dominating the S&P right now. So, uh, and then on the bond side, obviously don't take on a lot of duration risk uh, with interest rates. Although, you know, at some point it's, it's probably going to make sense to take on duration. And the good news with fixed income is that you're beginning to see the ability for one to, to achieve yield uh, without uh, having to take on a lot of risk. You know, with interest rates moving a little bit higher, uh, the ability to get yield on fixed income investments without doing that is, is rapidly improving. So um, I think you know, still need some intestinal fortitude on everything. We still need to obviously keep a finger closely on the pulse of not only the CPI, but producer prices, which are up 11% year over year. Uh, but also look at the internals within those to see which components are driving that quite a bit. Um, and, and recognize that there are going to be some elements of inflation like shelter, rents, that are likely going to remain high for a while. And, and then we can live okay in a world that has higher overall inflation than we're used to, and even higher overall inflation than this 3% really, really long-term average. Uh, but, you know, um, we just need to be vigilant, make smart moves. Uh, cash, you know, is a asset class in this environment and uh, just not be emotional. Well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, appreciate your time. I hope you have a wonderful week. And uh, as always, feel free to reach out to me uh, at uh, eric at bkawealth.com. Uh, would love to talk to you. Take care. Bye-bye.